And if you go with your gut and you're wrong, at least you can sleep at night. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I'm talking with Manny Lubin, who is one of the co-founders of Slate Milk, and I'm going to let him tell you all about the exciting brand that he's launched. And so why don't we do some intros on the brand, Manny? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm really excited for my listeners to hear all about Slate. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, our story is pretty simple. Is Josh, myself, like most people on the planet, love chocolate milk, and we're trying to be healthier. And we're trying to create a better planet for our future selves and our, our future families. And so we created a better for you line of lactose-free chocolate milks that are in 100% recyclable aluminum cans. And we launched in November of 2019, sort of like almost two years young now. Wow. And Congratulations. I mean, that's amazing to get yeah. through the two years. Yeah. And, no, I mean, what I, a crazy time to launch. Yeah. I always say two is my personal prime. So we're, we're about to hit our prime. And yeah, we're right now about a 30 person team. We're in about 4,000 stores. We're sold nationwide online because we are shelf stable in 100% recyclable cans, as I mentioned, and just trying to make the world a little bit happier and healthier. One can of chocolate milk at a time. I love it. Well, I love chocolate milk and it definitely makes me happy. So I think, yeah, I definitely think you're onto something. Talk about the, you know, you're not a dairy alternative, which is interesting because there are so many of them. I think you actually are more unique than a dairy alternative at this time, at this point in time. Um, Talk about the healthy side of it though, and the lactose-free aspect of it. So we get asked all the time, any sophisticated investor, we believe will ask why we aren't a dairy alternative because they are very hot right now. There are a lot of people that are doing it. And that's just why we aren't is there's so many people right now that are innovating the non-dairy space where Josh and I felt as though we could bring real change and innovation to the real dairy space, the real milk space. And we actually found through a milk Mintel study that nine out of 10 households that have dairy alternatives still actually consume real dairy. So people are still drinking real dairy. And what we found is that if we can take out the natural lactose sugars found in milk to make it more or less sugar-free and use that as our base, slightly condense it. So actually remove some of the water naturally found in milk. We can actually slightly condense the proteins and then use that what's called ultra-filtered milk as our base. We can create a nearly sugar-free, lactose-free, high-protein milk base and use that to create what we now are is more or less a fitness brand or an athleisure brand. You know, there have been a lot of people that have reached out to us asking if our plan is to save milk or what the long-term vision is for milk as a whole. And I think, look, we right now are just trying to create products that people want and need. It's that simple. And I think the fact that we're using real milk is just the best platform, the best medium to give people that great tasting chocolate milk that's high in protein. And what we found also is that a lot of the reason why people weren't drinking milk, not only because it was too high in sugar, especially chocolate, too high in sugar, not quite enough protein as a post-workout is this lactose angle. And without causing too much controversy, I think there's still some people in dairy that aren't completely convinced they know what the difference is between dairy-free, non-dairy, and lactose free and full, like there's a lot of confusion going around. And so that's why we, in our marketing branding, we don't talk about dairy whatsoever. 
We just focus on the fact that we are lactose-free real milk because we think that's the mm-hmm. simplest messaging. And the last that we want to do is confuse consumers. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. You know, anecdotally, I think before you guys even launched, it wasn't good for you because it was really high in sugar, but there was anecdotal conversation around post-workout chocolate milk that I thought was really exciting when I started seeing it because it's a little bit of a treat, but also if it's good for you, that makes it even better. And so I love what you guys are doing. And I think it seems really smart. And you know, that alternative category is so, so crazy right now. And you're right. So much confusion. People don't know. And I think it's interesting because what a little bit of what's happened there is that people are so hung up on the idea that they want to have a dairy-free alternative for sometimes good reasons, sometimes no reason, that they are forgetting about the actual sugar in a lot of those alternatives, which is insane. Yeah. It's actually like soda in some cases. Yeah. It's funny. For the first time yesterday, like this jet literally just happened yesterday as I saw an ad for a plant-based pea protein milk, a very popular one that I think most people know. And they were actually targeting almond milk in the ad when typically they're targeting dairy milk. So yeah. it was the first time where I saw I sent it to my co-founder. I saw that ad and I was like, now the dairy alternatives are starting to- Go against to, each uh, other, which is awesome. Going, which is interesting. You know, our philosophy is, look, we see it all the time, especially big brands. We don't necessarily try to make our brand on putting down others. We right. try to explain why we're the best. Like we always talk about staying in our lane. Like even in the grocery stores, if there are competitors coming up next to us, if there's a case that of a competitor that needs help, that the manager needs help stocking, we'll help stock it. Because the idea is we just want to be thought of in a great light, a positive life. Like we want everyone to think about Slate in a good fashion. So yeah, it's interesting, but no, it, none of our marketing do we ever talk about non-dairy dairy alternatives in a negative light. We just don't think that's how we want to build our brand. No, and it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. I totally agree with you. First of all, tell me about the name. We are trying to help give chocolate milk a clean slate. That's where oh, it all came from. Okay. Is, That's I think that we literally on a whiteboard drew a line, a straight line, and then like angled it and said, like, this is how we want people to think about chocolate milk is this is what they think about it now. This is how they, they're thinking about it in the future. It's just like a change. And we literally also on that same whiteboard that was in my living room back in 2019, 2020, wrote down all the reasons why people wouldn't drink our chocolate milk. Too high in sugar hurts their stomachs with lactose, not quite enough protein, not good for the planet, things like that. And a brand that's for kids, like those are the five. And we literally started coming up with ideas, ultrafiltration, which is lactose-free, lower sugar and higher protein, like check that off. And then the last thing we had was brand. And brand, like right now, chocolate milks are for kids or they were for kids. And we just started writing all these words on the board. I think we wrote like reboot, like refresh and like all these ideas of ways to start over. And we said like clean slate was on there and Josh claims he circled the word slate. We'll go with the credit. I, we don't remember. It was a big, there was a group of us in the room. That's funny. Like slate, like simple, it's clean. And, and our packaging is very clean. A lot of buyers comment on that. And we say, it's like clean slate. That's what we're trying to do for, for chocolate milk is the only thing we want people to remember is that it tastes really good, but most other things like not good for the, the planet where in a recycled can, it's artificial. It's high, like we want people to think about it differently. That's where it all began. Cool. That's really smart and interesting. And also, I think it's worth pointing out that you did something that I haven't heard anybody say. I suspect it's been done a little bit, but you consciously looked at the barriers and you consciously checked off every single one of the ones that you could think of, which is really cool and very interesting. You know, when I talk to founders and especially when I talk to retail buyers and private equity people, One of the things that they're really concerned about when they're looking to invest or bring someone into a store is 
not just are they different, but are they addressing a real need? And I love that you guys started there with the brand. It's really smart. And I'm curious to know, you launched a brand during COVID. I've talked to a lot of people who were at the early stages during COVID or who struggled, but you launched a brand during the pandemic. So talk about that a little bit. Well, the first off, just on your last point is we wanted to create the brand and the only reason people wouldn't drink Slate is because they're vegan and, or at least try it. And we uh-huh. respect people's beliefs and dietary decisions. And so that's what, if someone was like, well, what about this? What about that? What, we would have a checkbox for all of this. And so you can try it. But in terms of launching during COVID, of course, unexpected. Yeah. That being said, it took us 18 months from idea to shelf. And that's because the supply chain was so difficult of a mm-hmm. low acid product or a real milk product being shelf stable in a can. And there are only so many different paths to market. And we had a couple opportunities that we almost went down of launching cold chain. And we realized there's too much risk. And a lot of my background was in digital marketing. We knew knew we wanted an extended shelf life, not saying that we could have predicted something like this would happen, but if something did go wrong. And so we decided not to launch. We were getting very impatient during those 18 months. We decided not to launch and waited for, for the shelf stable play. And obviously, if we had the business would have been put on pause, or we would have had to start over. And, and that's really just what saved us is the fact that we could sell online. We were just getting to stores. We were in probably 300 stores when COVID hit. Couldn't get the product on the shelf, of course. There's literally no. nothing we could have done. And no. so we always think like, we emailed all our investors, advisors, and just said, if we have to, like, we'll just play defense, like we'll turtle up and wait as long as we need to. But our plan is just to focus on e-commerce because we can sell mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think our team was one full-timer, me and my co-founder, and just started teaching ourselves about e-commerce and knew a little bit, knew enough to be dangerous, but really wanted to become an expert. And so spent most of 2020 just learning e-commerce and ended up doing what we wanted to do in total sales, except obviously did way more online than we did in stores. But it was just taking what, controlling what we could, understanding consumers were now buying online and just doing what we could to make sure that we were getting the proper messaging in front of consumers in places where we thought they were going to be viewing us, which was mostly social media. Mm -hmm. So is that where most of your sort of launch and marketing has been so far? Yeah, we've really built the brand on social. The way that we think about it is, so we have an e-commerce channel. That's where we do some of our sales and then retail about 4,000 stores. Last year in 2020, we were about 65% online. And then this year that'll be flipped if not I'm a little bit more in stores. and But we're really building the brand on e-commerce. And even though we drive a a decent amount of sales there, we think about it as marketing through sales. Even though for one day, that could be a eight-figure channel for us. Right now, it's like even at that point, we do think about that as marketing through sales because the way that we want to build this brand is in retail, is is in brick and mortar. Um, Because we're at beverage, it's just, it's heavy to ship. Mm -hmm. It's heavy and expensive. So... Talk about marketing through sales. That's a concept that, you know, I think that there's this real tension, especially on new brands and even other brands that I work on that have been around for a while. There's a real tension between building awareness and then moving people through the funnel. And everybody says they know they need to build awareness, but they really, really need conversion. And you're talking about it as one thing, which I think is amazing, fascinating. I mean, at the end of the day, the consumers are all getting the same thing. It's Kansas late, right? And so the way that we kind of think about marketing on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and social platforms is it's almost like a little mobile billboard that a certain number of consumers are actually paying you to view, right? Mm -hmm. And they're paying you to try the products. 
And that's why we really hone in on that channel where if we, again, if we put a billboard over the mass pike or in times square, it'll get a certain amount of eyes. But, and even if we had a code on there, it's going to be very hard to track how many yeah. people are actually converting. Oh, for sure. that. Yeah. Whereas we can put little mobile billboards on everyone's phones and we can track what percent, I mean, not as much anymore with the iOS 14 update, but we could track a certain amount of people that are actually converting. And mm-hmm. so that's the way we think about it is our entire marketing team is very focused on conversions, but we know that there's a trickle down and basically it's omni-channel marketing into our retail sales where people will all the time say they saw us on an ad that's trying to drive mm-hmm. a sale, then they'll go into a Publix or a Wegmans or a Whole Foods yeah. and they'll actually convert because they're familiar with the brand. Yeah. Same thing with, uh, with influencers. We heavily rely on influencers. We just find awesome people. Our marketing team does an awesome job of reaching out to people and connecting with people and we work with influencers and get them product and they post on social media and we just try to find true fans, whether it's 2000 followers and 200,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And not only do they then get the word out to their following, but they then just tell their friends about it. And it's, yeah, of course. it's so powerful and it's very difficult to track, but I mean, we track the amount of impressions, but we know that there's a high percentage of people that are learning about us that are buying on our website that hear about us from influencers. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. What's your biggest challenge right now? So I've actually, I actually, mean, we talked about this when we, we spoke earlier and I've actually thought a lot about it because the reason I think about it is because every single day I think it's different. <laughs> I know, I know, it I is. I think anyone that is currently running a brand uh, that doesn't say supply chain is just lying. Yeah. But that being said, I think that one of them that I more run or help oversee marketing, brand, innovation, and e-com, and my co-founder, Josh, oversees finance, retail sales. We kind of are both doing ops. So I think more marketing. And I think it really is how much do we experiment versus how much do we go with our bread and butter, which for us is social. Because it takes a certain amount of experimentation to know if something's going to be successful. And I've like learned this from listening to podcasts myself right? like I, and just hearing about people that have tried different types of marketing and they weren't working, weren't working. And then one day they just broke through and then that became a huge marketing channel for them. Where for us, of course, we're a younger company. We're almost two years young and we still want to experiment with things, but we, we, it's hard for us to determine how much we put into one bucket, what we call a marketing bucket. And I think that's, it's a challenge. It's for us, we can always fall back on the channels we know work, but I think that's what we're really starting to think about right now as we head into 2022, which will be a big year of growth for us. Yeah. What's your plan? Like, what's your vision? Where do you want to be in the end of 2022? Where do you want to be at the end of 2025? I mean, I like, I think every beverage company should try to be one of the biggest beverage companies in the country. I think mm-hmm. that has to be your goal. And I think the reason for us is we believe that if we can replace the current high sugar drinks with slate or the mm-hmm. current drinks that are in plastic cartons with slate, or knowing that maybe there might be consumers that after a workout aren't getting enough protein uh, within 45 minutes, which science says is optimal for, for muscle repair. I think that that's what really drives our team is knowing that our products are helping people's lives and helping them improve their health and also the planet. So, I mean, our goal is just to continue to grow. I think Josh and I, one of our biggest goals is we want 100% of our employees to be happy, to just love what they're doing. And just <laughs> oh, that's a goal. That might it's, be harder than the other one. <laughs> and it's going to be the hardest thing ever, but... I think so. It's a great wake goal, up, though. I mean, you wake up every day and, and you know we're all working remotely at this point, but you go to work or you work with the same people every day. And you want them to enjoy their lives. Like that's mm-hmm. what's so fun about the journey. 
is finding good people and just bringing them on the team and making sure everyone's working hard, but working together. And I think that for Josh and myself is something very, very powerful. And our team right now is awesome. And I hope we continue to grow an amazing team. That's incredible. And I love that as a goal. It's very cool, very hard, but very cool. And I would like to work at a company that felt that way because, you know, people think that, but I never heard anyone say that when I said, what are your long-term goals? That's awesome. So I love it. Yeah, we're, we are as a startup still, we are just call it 30 people that are all just make that have ideas and opinions. And we're all Mm -hmm. just making decisions for this company, just for this brand, trying to make it the best ever. Like that's all it is. Like if someone has an opinion about a product or a color on the package or a marketing idea or a sales tactic, we're all ears. And if we could activate it and it works, like that's awesome. That was just someone's idea. But that's all we think a startup really is, just ideas and opinions and execution. Mm -hmm. So because of what you said in the last little bit, it makes me wonder if when you're talking about innovation, you're maybe not always going to be talking about milk. I think that there is an opportunity so let's start here. We see a lot of companies that we think try to go too big, too fast. Yeah, we think when Josh and I, and I'm, you talk to a ton of startups, I know you know this, but we're very fortunate to meet a lot of other founders and through like our network. And what we always like to say is, how are people going to know your brand in one line? Like for us, we are more than just a chocolate milk in a can, but that's what we've been known for. Like from yes. Kickstarter to Shark Tank to stores, it's like, that's, oh, slate the chocolate milk in a can or the healthy chocolate milk, like one mm-hmm. line. And that's what we spent two years building and becoming. and. It wasn't for a lack of ideas. I'm sure I think one of the biggest challenges for all startup founders and creators and and team members is just we're all exploding from the ears with ideas because there's so much opportunity. And especially when you're in it, you see it. But we wanted to stay as focused as we could for as long as we could and just prove out these. We only have three flavors. We have the classic chocolate, the dark chocolate, and the mocha latte. And actually the espresso chocolate is going to now be called mocha latte moving forward. So we were just different types of chocolate milk in a can. Like that's it. And they were healthy. And so looking at 2022, 2023, we think there is a larger opportunity in the real milk space or the Mm -hmm. real dairy space. But right now we're just in the early stages of thinking about it. I think that what we want to make sure we do is continue to make our current products better, potentially offer more flavors for people that want slate every day that might just need more flavors. Yep. And then long term, yeah, I think every I think most CPG founders have ideas of ways that they can move laterally and we have plenty of ideas. I'm sure. You talked about Shark Tank. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, we went on super early. Mark Cuban basically spit out our dark chocolate and we were we always kind of chuckle when we watch it. That product never made it to the shelf. That was actually filmed in pre-launch for us. And it was a great experience. We knew we were very early. We had already raised some capital. We already had some people on the team that we could leverage kind of like a shark. But I mean, it didn't go as planned. We all, like, but again, I think now when we talk to our team and even Josh myself, it's like when people are afraid of failing or having an idea that doesn't hit or getting all the information you can and then having to make a decision and being worried it goes wrong. It's like, go watch our Shark Tank episode and tell us that you're afraid to fail. Like, you just keep going. So yeah, net net. Yeah. I was going to say, it positively impacted the business. Just Kickstarter, Shark Tank to like where we are now. It's been quite a journey. Obviously, still a long way to go. But no, it got some cool people interested in us on the team. It actually still drives sales, believe it or not. Well, I do believe it. And I also think, you know, I think we talked about this or I've definitely talked about it. I've had a few people who've been on Shark Tank actually on the podcast. And what I think it forces you to do, regardless of whether you get money from them or not, is you have to get your story straight and clear and compelling and you can't go on there messy. You can't. So I think that's the value in that. I mean, 
I think that mostly founders should go on Shark Tank just so they get their story straight because there's so many people who are so confused and the consumer is automatically confused. And so I think that's a really important part. And whether you got the money or not isn't that relevant because you learned a lot. You got a lot of good exposure. Yep. Yeah. So talk about capital raising a little bit then because it sounds like you've done some. Yeah. So we've raised a little bit of money over basically the course of two, three-ish rounds. We've been very fortunate to meet smart people that want to not only invest in the business, but help. And I think mm-hmm. that's been so great. And, and for Josh, myself, we've now talked to probably hundreds of investors. And I think that the common link that we see amongst the people we want to join the team is that they're genuinely just excited about the brand. And also, we just think they're going to be like good people to work with. And we think that they're going to do everything they can to help the brand. And we understand that they're obviously VCs with LPs and there are different structures and investment vehicles. But for us, we've just found that it's the people that we're talking to that are the decision makers and the people that are going to be our contact, that if we have a good rapport with them, that's everything. Yeah, That's everything. And we've been, again, very fortunate to meet a lot of people like that. Cool. That's awesome. You know, you haven't stopped smiling for the whole entire time. I want people who aren't seeing this on video to know that this guy is smiling the whole time. I literally <laughs> get to build a team. I get to help build a team and run a <laughs> company that sells healthy chocolate milk in aluminum cans. Like it's, Amazing. it's Amazing. fun. It's so fun. It's again, it's the people. It's all about the people. So do you ever get discouraged and have to find ways to pick yourself up or find ways to break through some kind of like, has that ever happened to you? Discouragement? I'd say definitely. I mean, we're walking off the set of Shark Tank. Josh and I were in popping champagne and cheersing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I think there are definitely times where things go wrong, but we just have a saying, it's NLB, never look back. Like there's nothing we can do to change it. It's, I feel like the way that we've run our business is it's almost like connect the dots, right? And you're just, sometimes you can go to the left dot or the right dot. If you go to the right dot, you show one to the left dot, just hop to the next one. Like you're not, you're not retracting steps here. Like there's, you make a wrong decision, you just keep moving forward, never look back. And I think that mentality is just what we've tried to stay true by and just knowing. And again, this is why it's like, it's all about like doing it with people that are, like become family and like the, the relationship Josh and I have developed. He's literally like my brother and my, and my brother also helps run marketing for us. Like it's like literally a family here and just knowing that we're doing the best we can. Like that's it. We're doing the best we can and we've had success. We've had failures, but we're going to give it our all just like we did when we were playing sports. Like we have shirts that say high school athlete. Like that's a bunch of us were athletes growing up and now we're all there for each other. That's nice to hear. So before we wrap up, Manny, I'm just curious to know if you have any advice or anything you think that founders should know to help them avoid some of the mistakes that you might've made, or maybe you don't call them mistakes. Some of the hurdles that you might've come across. Can you share any, anything? I mean, you will make mistakes. You will fail just like everyone does, just like every athlete does, every founder, like everyone does. But I think that what we've realized and what we've, I think I said earlier is, is just have opinions, whether they're right or wrong. You're going to have people that all the time are pulling you different directions, telling you that like, we've had so many people telling us to start doing oat milk, telling us to do X, telling us to do Y, telling us to do plastic because it's cheaper, telling have opinions. Like that's what it's all about is like, you're the one running this. And I think that you want to obviously listen and sponge everything in. But having opinions on the matter of what you believe is right and why things need to change is going to make people want to join your army or join your team. Um, and not just employees, like that's buyers, that's celebrities, athletes, whomever is, we think that the world needs less plastic. Like we are hard on that. We are going to do aluminum cans. We think that 
people should be drinking chocolate milk every day. And, and yes, there are tons of great dairy alternatives out there, but we're, Josh and I probably at this point aren't going to be able to do it better. Like we don't know enough about it. So we can do the best chocolate milk. Like that's our opinion. That's what we're going to do. And I think it's people a lot of time that have a bigger resume or have more money or have done it before that are going to have those opinions. And we always love listening to them. We are never prideful. We say it all the time. We want to be the dumbest people in the room. Like tell us what we don't know because we don't know what we don't know, but it's okay to have opinions, be stubborn and go against people that have longer resumes and have way more money and have done it because what you think is what you think. And if you're hard on it, then you'll work hard to achieve it. So that's a really interesting piece of advice. And I haven't heard it too often because mostly people say, which is also what you said, listen and be open to other people's points of views because you don't know everything. But also you can get insecure when you're hearing people who have a lot of experience and have done this many, many times in different categories that you can get insecure and say, huh, I wonder if I'm doing it right now. But I think it's really important what you said, like you have to have ground that you hold. You have to. And yeah. And you could be wrong. Like we've had, done that and been wrong, but mm-hmm. when you, and it's kind of like the gut thing, right? It's like a lot of earliest decisions, especially around gut in any startup. Like you take all the data at the end of the day, there's nothing that's going to point you one direction. It's just what your gut says. And if you go with your gut and you're wrong, at least you can sleep at night. If you go against your gut and you're wrong, yeah. you're like, I knew it. I freaking knew it. Like everything anyway. inside of me told me, like everything I've seen, everything I've heard, everything I've smelled, like that all told me to go this way. And I went the other way because someone told me to. That you can't sleep. And it's happened and we've lost sleep over it. Where it's like, just go with your gut. When you know, you know. And even if you're wrong, like whatever, you'll, you'll pick up the pieces. That's awesome. 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 Well, I'm excited for you guys and I'm excited to get my own slate milk. So I can't wait to see where you go. And I really appreciate all the time that you took with us today. And I know that all the listeners are going to get a lot out of this. And I really do hope they get to see it on video because I haven't had someone smile for the entire time, even when they were talking about challenges. It's amazing. You clearly love what you're doing. Clearly. It's, it's, it's what I'm doing, but again, it's the people. It's all the people. Find the best people. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Christy. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.